Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Joining me now on the podcast is ESPN insider Bill Steele, whose college football magazine is a must-have for any fan of the sport. It's now available in bookstores or digitally through Apple's App Store, Google Play, or on your Kindle. Check out philsteel.com for more information. I myself, I'm going to the beach this weekend, and it's honestly the first thing I make sure is packed in my bag. There's probably a lot of people who at this point, the beach, out on their lake, or you know, just summer overall, those have become synonymous with the Phil Steel magazine. That's got to help your image, right? It sure does, Taylor. And uh, I can't tell you when people tweet out the pictures of the magazine and all these great places around the country and around the world, for that matter, uh, really, really makes me uh, smile. It's always something I definitely look forward to. And you're here today to talk about North Carolina. They made waves when they let go of Coach Fedora. They bring back Mac Brown, who was a colleague of yours at ESPN. What was your first reaction when you heard North Carolina was hiring Mac? Uh, I thought it was a, a good move. Uh, you go back to last year, another one of my uh, former colleagues, Herm Edwards, got hired by Arizona State, and uh, his season turned out to be pretty good. And Coach Brown was sort of itching to get back into the coaching profession. I, I don't I think he's uh, past his prime. I think he's a guy that's going to get stuff done. And Frankly, steps into a probably a pretty good situation because if you look at Larry Fedora's final two years, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. Like last year with all those suspensions and then get hit hard by injuries during the year. I thought North Carolina probably a better team, uh, a far better team, especially if they had stayed healthy than their 2-9 and nine record last year. So I think Mac Brown steps into a pretty good situation. There was a lot of hesitation at first from some North Carolina fans just because, you know, he hasn't coached in a while. Uh, The Texas tenure didn't end on the best terms. So in your opinion, what kind of went wrong for him at the end of the Texas era? Uh, Probably numerous things. You know, the difference sometimes between wins and losses are – pretty slim uh, and you go back to North Carolina last year like I mentioned uh, a two and nine record could easily have been a much better season for net close losses uh, with coach Brown it was a, a high level job Texas you know a, a marquee job across the country and uh, uh, just came up a little short his final two years didn't win enough games but uh, I think when you take a look at this situation that he steps into here at North Carolina you know, he brings in two solid uh, coordinators, Phil Longo and the offense coordinator, Jay Bateman, the defensive coordinator. And uh, I think even the recruiting has gone well for North Carolina. So I think you're going to see a, a different Mac Brown here in North Carolina. Yeah, they currently have a top 15 class, but you had the chance to speak with Mac Brown this spring around the spring game. What was your biggest takeaway after talking with him? Uh, that he doesn't consider it a rebuilding year. You know, sometimes a head coach will come in in the first year. Uh, they have to learn the, the, the player's strengths and weaknesses. The players have to learn new schemes. And you pretty much in advance chalk it up as, well, this is going to be a rebuilding year. Two and nine last year. If we go two and nine this year, big deal. Uh, we're gearing it up for next year. I think the biggest take I came out of it is that uh, Coach Brown is thinking, let's get to a bowl game this year. Let's have a winning season. Let's make the most out of it. And he doesn't consider it a rebuilding year. He thinks he has the talent to compete in the ACC, and uh, I agree with him. One of the reasons I like the Mac Brown hire 
He's he's like the CEO type figure, and he was going to bring in great coordinators. What can UNC fans expect from Phil Longo? You know, Phil Longo's a guy that had great success at Sam Houston State. And now last year at, at Ole Miss, you know, they did move the ball up and down the field, had some problems in the red zone. But let's face it, you look at Mississippi's strengths last year, was the quarterback and the receiving core. And when you have a team that relies heavily on the pass like they did last year, when the field shrinks in the red zone, you're going to have some struggles. But Phil Longo is a guy that doesn't rely just on the pass or just on the run. He's a multiple coach, and what he inherits here at North Carolina is probably the strength of this team is the running back core. Javante Williams, Antonio Williams, Michael Carter, uh, those three guys give him the deepest position on the team. And I think you're going to see North Carolina run the football a lot more. That's going to have Coach Longo with his explosive offense, but probably scoring more in the red zone. So love what he did at Sam Houston State. A little bit of red zone problems last year at Ole Miss, but I think with more of a run attack here at North Carolina than he had at Ole Miss last year, you're going to see production in the red zone and a pretty expo- a pretty solid offense. Going back to the running backs, you have them ranked the 13th best unit in the entire country. So if Carolina is going to have success, you would think it's going to start with them. And one of the biggest complaints I've seen from Ole Miss fans about Phil Longo is you know, he didn't have the best performances against teams like Bama, like Auburn, like LSU, Mississippi State. The SEC West is a uh, completely different uh-huh. ball game than the ACC Coastal, right? Yeah, you, you hit that right on the head. I mean, I, I don't see those type of defense. I mean, the ACC plays good football, but let's face it, those are some of the top defenses in the country in the West. And, you know, LSU, Alabama had uh, a remarkable defense again last year, like they always do. LSU, Mississippi State had one of the best defensive lines in the country. A&M was top-notch. So, yes, I think you're going to see a step down in terms of defense. We don't see the, the type of defensive lines that the SEC West has here, and that's going to help it if Phil Longo's uh, case right off the bat. Speaking of defense, you got Jay Bateman coming over from Army. He's switching to th- the 3-4 where Carolina has been playing the 4-3. It's another coordinator who has had a lot of success in recent years. Phenomenal success at Army last year. You go back to that Oklahoma game, and granted, part of the Oklahoma game was the offense keeping the ball away from that Oklahoma offense, but still to hold Oklahoma to 21 points in regulation and just uh, 28 points for the game, that was the best performance any team did. And, you know, I watched that game recently, and you look at the athletes Army had on the field versus the athletes that Oklahoma had on the field, and Jay Bateman just did a phenomenal job in that game holding Oklahoma to 21 points because there's no doubt there was a size and speed advantage on the Oklahoma side. But Bateman did a great job crafting the defense for that and a great job overall with the defense. And, uh, you know, he's probably got better personnel to work with here at North Carolina. Well, he does have better personnel to work with, players like uh, Aaron Crawford and Strobridge up front. So I was very – I loved what Jay Bateman did at Army the last five years. He was a huge uh, part of Army's uh, surgence and getting the double-digit wins the last couple seasons. And uh, I think it's a great hire on the defensive side. How do you think Bateman will have to handle playing with a going from, you know, Army is a control the ball option team. They're going to, you know, try to kill the clock for as long as they can, where Phil Longo is kind of relying on explosive plays and these these shorter type possessions. How do you think that balance will kind of work? 
Well, I think what you're going to see out of the the Bateman defense, you're probably not going to see the uh, numbers that Army put up last year. I mean, Army only allowed 17.7 points per game and under 300 yards per game, which is really good in this era of fast-paced college football. So you probably aren't going to see those type of numbers. What you will see out of the North Carolina defense are improved numbers. I mean, last year they gave up 448 yards per game, 34.5 points per game. The points per game practically double what they allowed at Army. Uh, I would think that they'll be able to to definitely trim that. And uh, when you look at the talent that he's got, I mean, up front, uh, I thought one of the big problems with North Carolina last year was losing Aaron Crawford in the the opening game of the season or the second game. Missed nine games last year. And and Fedora, Coach Fedora, when I talked to him last spring, uh, basically said he's the best player on defense. And then, boom, he goes out for the year. It was just Larry Fedora's luck as a head coach, but with Crawford and Strobridge up front, that manning the 3-4, a player like Tomon Fox coming in off the edge at the defensive end, outside linebacker position. I think the front four looks pretty good for North Carolina, so I'm I'm pretty pretty pleased with what you're going to see from Bateman this year. I grew up an Army fan, having lived probably 30 minutes away from the base, and I watched all their games. And my biggest concern with Bateman is that he needs a disciplined defense. For Carolina, they've, the past couple of years, they've been, you know, up there with penalties. Uh, you have the shoe suspensions just a year ago. Is it fair to question if they could just become a disciplined team overnight? Uh, it is fair to question it, uh, but many times with the coaching change, you will see that uh, that discipline take over right off the bat. It's it's what the coaches demand in the spring, and and uh, Coach Bateman's a a very demanding head coach, and pretty much it's one of those where you know my way or the highway type of thing. And I think if the players want to stick around and play, they're going to have to be more disciplined. So I think we're going to see more discipline on that side of the ball. This is a question that it's going to have Twitter buzzing. The message board's buzzing. The biggest question mark on this team, quarterback, Sam Howell, Jace Reuter, and Cade Foran. Who do you have coming out of that competition? Uh, I went with Sam Howell, the true freshman. Uh, even though I liked what Cade Fortin did last year and I liked what Reuter did, at, and both I thought had good moments last season. Uh, and then it seemed like every time a North Carolina quarterback had a good moment, they would end up going get injured and then be out. Uh, so I, I like what Reuter and, and Fortin brought, but I went with Sam Howell. When you look at uh, Howell this year, he's got a little bit of Baker Mayfield to him. He's the team's top recruit, uh, originally committed to Florida State. Now, he started the spring game, but it wasn't uh, a coach's choice. They actually had a rock-paper-scissors contest to see who would be the starter for the spring game. But uh, he's, he's a guy that uh, is a, threw a pinpoint 48-yard touchdown pass, which I really liked, and I think he brings the most upside uh, of the three quarterbacks. But frankly, I, I think North Carolina's in good shape. They're three deep, and uh, all three quarterbacks can play. But I went with Sam Howell, the true freshman. Yeah, I think quarterback, it's it's just a matter of who comes out. I don't think it's something they're going to have to worry about last year. But where would you say the biggest weaknesses are for this team as they head into fall camp? You know, I'm going to go uh, – start uh i have some question marks a little bit of question marks at the at the receiver position uh you know you you look at daz newsome uh probably the top guy there uh maybe not the depth you want to have there and then the linebacking position is another one that's a little bit of a question mark because they lose some pretty good guys like cole holcomb off the uh the linebacker spot they need a dominic rasta step up he can be a dominant player he's got the length and can run 
But uh, of the units that don't rank in my top units in the front of the magazine would be quarterback, receiver, and linebacker, and then special teams. Even though last year's special teams was number 34, they've got a brand-new kicker uh, and uh, a brand-new punter in this year, losing their, their top two guys from last season. Let's go through the schedule now where every FBS team on the schedule made a bowl game last year, so it's not the easiest schedule in a year-one transition. No, it's definitely not. And, you know, that was one of the things, uh, you know, generally when I got a, an underrated 2-9 and nine team like North Carolina, then I'm immediately thinking I want to put these guys on my most improved list because they were far better than the 2-9 and nine record. And for the, for the listeners, my most improved list is a list of teams that had a losing record last year that I think will bounce back and bounce back big this year. As an example, Florida was the same type of team uh, in 2017. They had all these suspensions prior to the year. And what looked like was going to be a great year, it turned into four and seven. Well, I made them my number one most improved team last year, and they went from four and seven all the way up to number seven in the AP poll. But with North Carolina, as excited as I was getting off the phone with uh, Coach Mac Brown and realizing that North Carolina is an underrated team coming into the year, then I plopped a look at that schedule, and as you touched on, 11 teams that were in bowl games this year, there's not a lot of easy outs on that schedule. Carolina, they haven't won a season opener against a Power 5 team since Mac Brown's last year in 1997. They open up this year against South Carolina in Charlotte. What can you tell us about the Gamecocks? You know, South Carolina is a team I would have rated higher uh, in the magazine rankings uh, if they didn't have a killer schedule. South Carolina actually plays the toughest schedule in the entire country. You know, the top three teams in the country are Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. South Carolina faces all three of those teams this oh, year. Oh, uh, plus, they have to play Tennessee on the road, Missouri on the road, Texas A&M on the road. Just a brutal schedule for Will Muschamp. But they've got seven starters back on offense, seven starters back on defense. You know, Jake Bentley and Rico Dowdell, their quarterback-running back combination, have both been starting since they were true freshmen. Brian Edwards uh, also at the wide receiver, same thing. And defensively, much like North Carolina last year, South Carolina's defense got hit hard by injuries. Uh, DJ Wanham got injured, uh, Brunson, uh, but they've got a lot of NFL-caliber players on the defensive side of the ball. So Vegas and I agree on this one. We both have South Carolina about a seven-point favorite in that game in Charlotte. And I love the fact that uh, I think we're going to have a pretty much a split crowd for that game. Yeah, one thing I was just about to mention is Carolina looks like they're going to be around a touchdown underdog. But how would you factor in the element of surprise that Carolina can have? Because they don't have to announce a quarterback. It's South Carolina could have to prepare for you know three guys who all bring something to the table. And then you have game film where you're watching these coordinators at other schools. Yeah, that is a big plus first game of the season uh you know the negative would be it's the first game for the coaching staff and they're getting things together but i think that is a, a positive that uh south carolina does not really know what to expect from that game so that's that could be a big plus for them a week later you have your home opener against miami and i agree with you that they're the team to beat in the coastal but why is that your opinion defense 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 <laughs> miami has got the defense you know, you look at their linebacking core. We talked about North Carolina's. We're talking about Pinckney, Quarterman, McLeod. These guys have all been starting since they were true freshmen. Jonathan Garvin is a stud up front on the defensive end spot. They've got an outstanding cornerback in Trajan Bandy. 
Bubba Bolden comes over from USC at safety. And while they have a new head coach, it's the same guy that's been running the defense the last three years, and Manny Diaz. They had a top 10 defense last year. They got a top 10 defense this year. And offensively, when I talked to Coach Diaz and went over the team with him this spring, he was really excited about the additional offensive coordinator, Dan Enos. He thinks he's going to correct their offensive problems from last year. And last year, they completed 50% of their passes at 14 interceptions. If that gets corrected, Tate Martell, probably the starter there, then all of a sudden the offense is goes from below average to maybe slightly above average and teamed with a top 10 defense. That makes them very dangerous. Miami also fresh off a bye after playing a big game against Florida, so that's a big plus for them. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Miami always seems like, you know, they have these expectations, but you definitely don't want to play them early in the season because I feel like that's when they have all the swagger. They have all those people talking about them. But then week three, you have Wake Forest, a bowl team last year. They open up the year against Utah State and Rice, so they can be coming in with some momentum while Carolina could easily be looking at 0-2. Yeah, and with Wake, Dave Clawson's doing a great job there. Uh, and, you know, I think Jamie Newman probably beats out Sam Hartman for the starting job, but both have starting experience. Kate Carney, uh, 1,000-yard rusher from last year, is back. The receiving core is solid. The offensive line loses a couple of players, but they've got three studs up front, Nathan Gilman, Jake Benzinger, and Justin Heron. Heron, an NFL-caliber left tackle. And then defensively, you know, Wake plays pretty good defense. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, how they fared in a couple of games last year, they played better, and I, th- I think they've got some talent coming back. Now, this is, ironically, it's a non-conference game. <laughs> Wake Forest, North Carolina, not going to count in the ACC standings, but Coach Clawson was saying he's pretty excited that these two are getting back together again. Wake Forest is home. And uh, I think the home field edge could be the difference, but this is one of those toss-up games. I think the talent's pretty even between the two. Carolina has App State in week four. I think wow. last year Carolina kind of got bailed out with the UCF game uh, getting canceled just because I I don't think they had any chance to even be competitive in that game. App State, they're coming off a bye. Just because it's a group of five team, Carolina can't overlook them or they can be in trouble. 11-2 and two last year, clearly the cream of the Sun Belt. And even though they have a new head coach in uh, Drinkwitz, you take a look at this team. Zach Thomas is back. Darrington Evans, a 1,000-yard rusher, is back. Uh, they've got Corey Sutton, their top receiver, back. The offensive line's a veteran group with four returning starters. 
Defensively, this team allowed just uh, 15.5 points per game last year, despite having five returning starters. This year, they have six returning starters. Probably the most gifted player on the team is Akeem davis Gaither, their outside linebacker. Uh, they've got an NFL-caliber free safety in Desmond Franklin. And App State gets fired up for these games. Remember, they went into Penn State last year. Penn State was number 10 in the country and had that game won. Penn State has scored late to force overtime and then beat them in overtime. So that's going to be a, a very dangerous game for North Carolina. App State clearly loaded with 16 returning starters from a team that was 11-2 and two last year. For my time at Carolina, these were the games that I absolutely hated. The, the teams that it felt like they had nothing to lose coming in. We saw it when we played at ECU. It was like these guys have been overlooked by the, by their in-state program, North Carolina. So there, there's an extra chip on their shoulder for sure. You have absolute. You have already a tough four games, and in the fifth week, you have your fifth game, and it's the Clemson Tigers, the defending national champions. What would you have that line at right now? Oh, I got North Carolina favored by ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's get real here. Uh, in Vegas, they're a 27 point underdog. Uh, I am a 24 point underdog. I think, you know, the situation probably favors North Carolina. Clemson's not going to get too fired up for this game, but uh, yeah, Clemson's loaded this year, and offensively, they could have the most explosive offense in the country. And defensively, you're holding out hope that you know they lose those three first round draft picks off the D line, a third round draft pick. I still have Clemson Ray as my number five D-line in the country, led by Xavier Thomas. So, yeah, four-touchdown favorite they figure to be when the game rolls around. We'll circle that for for a, a potential teaser. Maybe we could get that in the in the 30 range for Carolina. <laughs> Georgia Tech, the next game, they're transitioning away from the option with Jeff Collins. And while I think the overall mood in Atlanta and Georgia Tech is they're excited for the future – expectations don't seem that high. Yeah, and they shouldn't be. Uh, you know, you take a look at Arkansas last year. Arkansas uh, had Morris taken over for uh, Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema had big offensive linemen that were run blockers. And uh, Morris wanted, had to trim down the offensive line, turn them more mobile, change the entire offense. What happened with Arkansas? Two wins last year. Well, Georgia Tech's been running the option, recruiting the option for years and years and years. Their offensive linemen are built for option run blocking. And now they're going to be switching to a pro-style offense. Not a good fit for those guys. When I talked to their head coach this spring, going over the team with them, you know, they only have one running back spot now as opposed to three. He said he has 13 scholarship running backs and one running back spot. Now, he did say he liked his receivers. Uh, coach Collins liked the receivers he has, but let's face it, and the couple of guys that they liked, they didn't have the depth of receiver that you would like. Their quarterbacks were recruited for the option. I, I think it clearly smacks of a rebuilding year. Plus, Georgia Tech's not that experienced. Only nine returning starters, four returning starters on defense. He's an enthusiastic coach. I think he gets his program rolling in the right direction very shortly, but clearly looks like a rebuilding year. And that's one game I think North Carolina has to win early on, especially with this schedule that they're playing. A team you're a lot higher on than me, Virginia Tech. What is the case for the Hokies being the second-best team in the Coastal? Well, it goes back to my conversations with Coach Foster through the years. You know, Bud Foster, the defense coordinator, always puts out a top-notch defense. And going over the defense with them last year is remarkable. When we got down to the end of the conversation, I said, Coach, every coach out there says we're young. 
this team is young. They were loaded with freshmen, no experience. And the one thing we agreed upon at the end of the conversation after going over every player on the defense was they couldn't afford to lose anybody. They needed to keep their starting 11 there if they were going to be adequate. Well, guess what? They lost about five guys off the front, off the start, projected starting lineup prior to the start of the season or within the first two weeks. And what happened last year was a disastrous defense for Virginia Tech. Uh, Bud Foster standards, 439 yards per game, 31 points per game. Well, this year he's got 10 starters back. They are going to look like a Bud Foster defense this year. And offensively, I like Ryan Willis. Uh, the running back core with McLeese, Wheatley, and Holston, I think will be adequate enough. Uh, the receiving core will be good. But that Bud Foster defense is going to come out and play with a vengeance this year. And I think that's going to be big. Plus, Virginia Tech, unlike North Carolina, they play a schedule that's number 86 in the country. Uh, they play Furman uh, at home, uh, uh, Old Dominion at home this year, Rhode Island, a couple of FCS teams. So they're not playing 11 teams that were in bowl games last year, a much easier schedule for Virginia Tech. And Blacksburg's never never a fun place oh. to play as a visitor. Never. Very loud. And uh, I love Enter Sandman, one of my, my favorite entrances in college football. Even as a North Carolina player, that was always that was always something I wanted to see. Just being a big college football fan, and it definitely definitely lived up to every bit of the hype coming in. The next, yeah, no week, doubt about it. I, I I play that at night sometimes when I'm I'm looking for a little <laughs> motivation. So it's uh, it's pretty neat. The next week, Carolina has one of their rivalry games, Duke Blue Devils. Coach Cutcliffe, he's he's a coach I love. I've learned you can never count him out or count his teams out. We saw how hard it was for Carolina replacing Mitch Trubisky. How will this Duke team do replacing Daniel Jones? Well, you know, you go back and look at Duke, and uh, back when Cutcliffe in uh, 1997, he had this guy, Peyton Manning, and uh, Tennessee had 149 yards per game rush, 329 yards per game pass. The next year, he brings in T. Martin, a completely different quarterback, more mobile. Well, that team went 13-0. and They ran the ball for 204 yards per game and only threw for 195 yards per game. So he's proven he can adapt the offense to a new quarterback. And I think it's going to be similar. Quentin Harris is a guy that can – he's mobile, can run the football, uh, did a good job in the backup role. He's not Daniel Jones passing-wise, but he's probably more mobile. And I think he's a guy that they're going to have a different type of offense. Now, Duke is scary to me in the fact that Last year, I had high expectations for Duke, and at 8-5, and five, they disappointed me a little bit. I thought they could be better. I was pretty shocked by their 59-7 to seven blowout loss to Wake Forest. Their loss at home to Virginia also surprised me a bit. And generally, when Cutcliffe has a year like that, he bounces back big the next year. So that concerns me a little bit. But uh, I think overall, Duke, when you, this team is less experienced than they were last year, and I think North Carolina's got a shot in that one. One of the biggest surprises last year, UVA. They lost. They were a team that was extremely hot leading up to the end of the season. They lost their last two regular season games in overtime. Easily could have went to the ACC championship and played Clemson. They're coming off a dominant bowl win against South Carolina. Bronco Mendenhall, he's got this team trending in the right direction right now. Yeah, Bronco knows defense. They have the defense. I mean, last year that that defense was dominant. Shut out in the bowl game of South Carolina. Very impressive. 20 points per game allowed, shut down cornerback and Bryce Hall, one of the top players for next year's NFL draft. Uh, Charles Snowden up front, handback up front, they're loaded. And then Bryce Perkins is back at quarterback. And Perkins, 
even better than I expected last year with the 25-9 ratio, plus a dangerous runner, 923 yards rushing. Uh, so I, I think as long as Bryce Perkins stays healthy, Virginia's in really good shape with that defense and Bryce Perkins. Uh, but that game is on the road, so I, I think North Carolina's got a shot. Uh, we'll have to, we'll see. I've got the game as a toss-up coming in. Moving to Pittsburgh, Carolina has been historically bad the past two years, and they still beat Pitt twice. They haven't lost to the Panthers since they joined the conference. Is this just a case that no matter what happens, Carolina will just always beat Pitt? It's almost unexplainable at this point. Yeah, it seems like that, especially when you you look at last season, uh, you know, and and how uh, Pitt went through the year against the ACC title game. You had that loss to North Carolina. Now Pitt can be fairly tough at home. Last the last three years, uh, they are fifteen and five at home, so it's always tough. A little tricky playing there at Heinz Field, and uh, both teams come in off a bye. Uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, when I talked to Coach Narduzzi this year, he really liked the hire of his offense coordinator, Mark Whipple. He thinks he's going to come in and get the most out of Kenny Pickett, a, a quarterback that struggled last year throwing the football. And uh, I think if there is an improved Pickett, that's going to make Pitt a very dangerous team with six returning starters on defense. But you, that history, if you're a North Carolina fan, you got to enter that game fairly confident, as you mentioned. You close the season out against the biggest rival, NC State. They only have four returning starters on offense. You have them ranked 123rd on your experience chart, which is only out of 130 teams. So what do you think about the Wolfpack? Well, there is definitely a shot for North Carolina there. If you go back to last year's game, here's North Carolina stumbling through a 2-9 and nine season, and that game goes to overtime, a game North Carolina could easily have won. Now I'll say this about NC State and talking to Coach Dorn. Uh, last year when I talked to Coach Dorn, I, I had major concerns on that defense. I mean, they lost all four starting defense alignment, uh, and you're like, wow, this team's going to take a big step back. And he goes, you know, Phil, pretty confident in the players we got there on the defense. I think we're going to be okay. And then you look at the final stats, they went from allowing 25.2 points per game and actually improved to 24.9 despite losing all those guys. And once again this year, you know, losing the quarterback like Ryan Finley, losing their top running back, uh, who is a thousand yard rusher losing the top two receivers? You're expecting a big drop off, but once again, Coach Dorn fairly confident in the replacements. Now, I think there will be a big change at the quarterback position. I don't see a Ryan Finley there who hit 67 percent and completed a 25-11 ratio, and uh, so that's going to give North Carolina a clear shot in the game. For the record, I do favor NC State, but I think it's going to be yet once again a heck of a game. Vegas's win total for UNC now that we looked at the entire schedule is four and a half. If you were going to the window, are you betting the over or the under on four and a half? For North Carolina, I'm probably not betting anything going up to their <laughs> window the just for the uncertainty of the tougher schedule. You know, first year head coach, what are we going to get? But I think when you break down the games, you've got to win with uh, App State. I've got them a slight favorite in that game. Uh, Duke, I've got a slight favorite in that game. Mercer is a win, so you got three wins there. Toss-up games would be at Georgia Tech, Virginia, at Wake Forest. Numerous toss-up games on the schedule. So for the record, I wouldn't play it, but if you said, you know what, here's 100 bucks, you have to put it over or under. I'm going to go on the fact that North Carolina was much better in their 2-9 and nine record last year, and I'm going to plunk it down on the over, uh, figuring that they can at least get to five this year. Yeah, for Carolina, it seems like the over would be the play just because 
you're going to get better quarterback play. You should you should be able to win all those games you mentioned for the must wins, and then the the toss up categories. Two, you should win at least two split the toss up games, and then that should put you right around that five six range. But if you're a Carolina fan, because I think this is where Carolina fans are kind of all over the place. What would you say are realistic expectations for year one under Mac Brown? Yeah, I would say the four or five level, it would be the realistic expectation. But once again, you know, this is the type of team I normally put on my most improved list, which means getting to a bowl game. And a lot of times with the new head coach, what happens is, uh, especially if this team can stay healthy after all the injuries and suspensions last year, with the new head coach, there's a brand new attitude. You get a couple early wins. Let's say there's an upset early over South Carolina or, or Wake Forest on the road. And then the players start buying into the program, and you see a completely different uh, team on the field. So I think if you're a North Carolina fan, I'd be optimistic heading into the year. I like Mac Brown. Uh, I'm a fan of both Phil Longo and Jay Bateman as the coordinators. This was a team that was banged up in suspension riddled last year, and uh, i got to think that the, the potential is there for North Carolina. And uh, I'd be happy with a four- or five-win season, but uh, I think there's a possibility of getting to a bowl. I want to end it here because I know you just said you like Mac Brown. Paul Feinbaum says that UNC and Mac Brown will be in the ACC championship game within three years. Agree or disagree? The way the ACC Coastal works, anybody can get in that <laughs> ACC title game. So, uh, you know, that's not a that's not a big step over there because uh, it, anybody can get in there any year. Who thought Pitt was going to get there last year? Just just the luck of the draw in the Coastal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Phil, thanks for your time today. Guys, you can check him out on Twitter at PhilSteel042. More importantly, go get his magazine, a must-have. I would put it in my must-have category, Phil. Thanks for the time today. Hey, a lot of fun chatting football with you, Taylor. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.